Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, my good mate, Phil, his good mate, Sarah Moon, and unfortunately, Kent can't be here this week. He's gone ahead and got himself stuck in chapter and verse of some great novel that will inevitably become a film. Anyway, on with the show. How are you guys? We're quite well. Um, we're both sitting here. Sarah's just watching the screen and the, the, the um, what is it, the, the sound waves rising and falling on my recording. She doesn't have, have headphones on her, so, you know, you might hear me shout back and kind of... Speak over your walk, I can't hear you. Yeah, exactly, and I'll, I'll have to go back and <laughs> recount to her what's just been said. But, uh, yeah, we're doing quite well. Um, again, still sitting here in Norway and... Norway. Um, we're what are Norway. Norway. And uh, yeah, we're, we're doing that and having a great time. Drew, how are you? I'm doing all right. Just uh, chugging along, as as they say. Absolutely. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, of course, this yes. is Drew. What episode is this? Oh, the penultimate episode. The penultimate. Penultimate. I mean, I say that, but we're not, we're not planning on ending at 100. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Episode 99. Drew. This 99. is insane. Is this real we life? We didn't think we'd get to nine. No, exactly. <laughs> or is this just fantasy? There you go. Exactly. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah, look. Oh my goodness. Look, it's crazy. We're at 99. We're there. We've got one more to go next we week. Are. And we're at the big old one trip, or one dub zero. I can't get over the fact that the timing worked out so perfectly that you'd be home for a hundred. Yeah, look, you know, these things just happen. We just work it out perfectly like that. It's just, it's yeah. just what it takes. But uh, yeah, no, exactly. It's um, staggering that we've made it to 99. We're hopefully going to bring it you a... absolutely insane. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully we'll bring you a quality episode this week, of course. The topic this week is, as suggested again by where our friend is, um, basically... We're looking at um, books that we think should be turned into films, because I know there's a lot of people that aren't very impressed when so many um, films get made from books, but we're looking at things that we quite like that we'd like to see turned into a film. Um, And also, failing that, things that that, that are films that perhaps should have been TV shows, and perhaps TV shows Mm. that should have been films instead. uh, and and it's so, a long list. Yeah, exactly. But basically, what we want, what we want to look at is is this kind of transition from one medium to another, or, or one format to another, because um, it's yeah. an interesting thing. And again, it happens so much. And and Hollywood often gets criticised for not having original ideas. And while that's true, that's that's certainly true. That there probably needs to be more of that. Um, there is certainly, I guess reason for that happening and i think that um a lot of things are made into film for good reason because let's look at for example things that are turned into the harry potter se- uh, series a lot of people have a yeah. lot of criticisms of them absolutely in fact i'm with people on some of the criticisms um yep but i think that it's also a, a good way of getting it to to a wider audience um or a, of course or a different audience and therefore making the entire audience that, it, that that's captivated by this wider um but also it's a different way of telling the story again instead of having your mind it's not i don't think it's lazier but it just means that instead of 
you know, losing so many pages and time to the idea of having to describe a setting, you're letting hmm. your eyes view that setting and your mind can then concentrate fully on the story and get lost in the story. Um, and so I think they were... I think that... Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely rings true for something like The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. I look at the world they created. Like, look how look how text-heavy the books are. I say that, they're books. But also, just how large the books are. So much of it is, is building up the world. And that's a good thing. And it's a terrific thing for exercising yeah. the mind. I'm not saying that at all, that it's not the case. Mm. I completely think that's so good that they exist in, in two different worlds. But also that the book came first, like that. I think that's a very healthy thing. Um, but yes. but also that the film series can take you on a different adventure. Again, you and I drew went to a um, a marathon of the extended editions of Lord of the Rings. It took something like thirteen hours or something like that. Um, it was an all day affair. Certainly was. And I think that. I think that that was so nice to do in itself. Um, yeah. again you get lost in the world that you can see that it exists on screen and you know that it is made of upper parts of New Zealand it's also made up of special effects but you see it come to life and that's really nice um, but yeah so I think I think they both have their place I totally understand the criticism as well of Hollywood that there's no kind of original ideas or, it's, or so it seems but they have their place. So I think that it'd be interesting to look at things that we'd like to see turned into film that aren't yet. Or, or you know, this idea that maybe yeah. would it be film, would it be TV, how would it go kind of thing. The thing is, it's changing so much every day. Mm-hmm. The way film operates, the way television operates, and now that we have streaming television instead of network cable or subscription there are so many different avenues that it can all take yeah yeah it, it, it is true and um you know some people would call it oversaturation i don't think so because no i think would i think we're in the second golden age of television right now yeah i mean you're giving so many different people and so many more creative minds an opportunity to do things and sure in some yeah. ways it is a little bit like trying to find a needle in the haystack and trying to find the good content over the bad. Like, for example, you know, Stranger Things versus something like The Mist on Netflix. Two things that are kind of side by side. They're not not the same concept at all, but they're just, they're different things. But one is of such a high quality and one's eh, not as good. Um, it, It is... It's interesting that there is so much content, and look, some content has to come from other ideas. Some things are based on... Again, look at something like Stranger Things. In many ways, it's based on Stephen King. Um, There's inspiration from other things. Um, And and that's not a bad thing either. But again, it's letting more minds have a crack at um, having a go at something. And also... um, I appreciate that companies like Netflix and stuff like that, are, are, and Amazon Prime, for example, are, mm. are are being more bold and letting more unknown people have a go at something in the hope that it is the next big winner, the next big Stranger Things, the next big, I, I, I don't know, um, Colin Trevorrow, who directed the first um, Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Um, you know, he'd come yeah. from making a, uh, a indie film, safety not guaranteed to mm. making one of the biggest franchises 
of all time. So, you know, it's that idea that there's more kind of belief in that. And, and with, and if, if it means that we can see more things, I'd love to see that. And that's why, again, I'd like to talk about books and stuff like that with that, that aren't quite, or aren't made into things yet. What we'd mm. like to see turned into a film or TV show. And, and certainly, um, you know, you and you and I have talked about books before mm-hmm. on this show, and we've talked about our favorite authors and our favorite series of books. But what I find interesting is that both yours and my favorite series of books have not actually had the full blown adaptations yet. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, that's that's very true. And it, it I, I know you've you've waited quite some time for Matthew Riley to. Mm. And and it's yeah. interesting. So so um, there was an Australian story. Um, I'll get more into why I think they should be made into film and how I'd like to see them done. Um, I'm sure I've yep. spoken about it in the past, but nonetheless, I, I, I'll talk about it again anyway. But um, there was an Australian story uh, documentary with Matthew Riley in it, and he spoke about how you know he dreamed as a child and even into adulthood of being a film director, but realized that it mm. was so expensive and was so costly that maybe he should... And his ideas would have been so elaborate that that would have been quite difficult and would have required such a big budget. And he couldn't think of anything yeah. else to kind of direct beforehand to try and win himself into the industry. So he 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 instead chose to write his his ideas down, and you know did such a fantastic because he'd he'd thought so thoroughly about his idea, he could spew the words out properly and describe them. Um, the world and the setting and the action and what's happening so perfectly um, that it made him such a fantastic author. But um, for that exact reason, it helps anyone that read the book completely understand what he's talking about and exactly how he'd said it. And you pick, you build the picture in your mind. And it's almost that same thing where you and I would love to be directors or love to create something like that, um, original content yeah. or not. Or even just be res- yeah. for me, just be responsible for bringing something as fantastic as that to life. Um, I I think that 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 would be phenomenal. But um, yeah, yeah, it's the same sort of idea that how how do you go from one medium to another? Well, I would love to see it happen. I think that his his pieces are, are so interesting, and they'd be um, Matthew Riley's work, which is so action oriented. It would be a new version of um, mm. elements of um, Godzilla, the, what was it, 2012 film? Was it 2012? 13, 14, something like that? Uh, 14? Something like that. But anyway, basically the, the, the um, Godzilla film, not the most recent one. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't explain what I think of it. Oh, but... that'll be a whole other discussion yeah, once you see it. exactly. But uh, nonetheless... Um, 2014, Yeah, so the 2014 Godzilla film, it would be the modern version of, um, in some ways an alien film or aliens. Um, it would be a, a modern version of, um, you know, diehard in some ways, action based kind of stuff. Um, you know, it, it has the element of being so many good things. Um, and so impressive that I think it would be so fantastic. And also it's just, there's the story, there's the continuing story among film or among books. That would be interesting as an overarching kind of, um, a long story arc and the shorter story arcs of the individual films. I think it'd be it's such a well written series that I think it would make a fantastic adaptation. Um, mm. Now my twist on it is so there's four. Well, there's a lot more than four books with the character Scarecrow, 
but I'd love to do a Scarecrow series. And that is yeah. um, the films Ice Station, Area 7, um, Scarecrow, and Hell Island. Um, and basically, well, that's the order of them. But I'd love to do Hell Island as the first one. Um, if I was directing them as well, I, I'm not saying that I should be, but I would think it would be a fantastic story arc to kind of have this, yeah. this you're in the present and then you go kind of back to the past until, you know, the third film in the series takes you back to just before the first one kind of thing. I like that kind of idea of you go back in time and you come forward in time. Um, I think that it would be fantastic to do it like that because if it was someone, I don't know, myself or us, you know, the two of us, or something like that, doing it. Um, yeah. You don't want to kind of ruin Matthew Riley's greatest achievement of all time, which is Ice Station, I think, um, on your first attempt. You know, do a bad job of it. You do Hell Island, which is actually just a... was an online released short story, which then later got published because it was such a great, interesting story, but nonetheless a short story. You do that as the mm. first one. You try your luck with that. If it's good, if it captures people, then you do Ice Station then Area 7, and then Scarecrow. And what makes it good as a four-series thing, and, and interestingly why I suggest reading them in that order, is that because Hell Island comes after Scarecrow, his demeanour, the way he acts, the character himself, he, he's different and he's changed and he's dealing with things that have happened in Scarecrow. And so you're not really sure of who this character is. And if you're reading it for the first time, you just... You're a bit confused by this kind of, this total pro, but he's a little bit strange. He's got some issues going on inside and it's just, but he's still fantastic. And you're not sure about this. And then you go to read Ice Station, which is, he's much earlier and he's so gung-ho and he's just like, he's on it. He's totally on it. And he's so sharp. And then you see, you start to learn the characters and things like that. Characters that weren't there in in, in uh, Hell Island, but um, yeah you know you start to meet these people in in ice station and then you start to realize oh, where we end up in hell island the not everyone's here what happens how does it go you get to area seven you start to see the character develop more and more and more but you still start to panic and realize you've got one more book to go and stuff has to happen between finishing area seven and the start of hell island and then you read scarecrow and yeah you 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 know, it's so much more about the man himself and not just what he can do and the situation he's in, but more about the guy. So it's a great kind of last story because you you know where he ends up. You also know where he's come from now. It's seeing how you get there. And that makes, I think, Scarecrow such an interesting story. And I know that he never intended, mm. Matthew Riley never intended for these these books to be read in this order. But I think it just adds an extra element or extra dimension on top of what he created. And yeah, so I think it'd be fantastic. And on screen as well, it would be a, a great kind of, again, you'd, one, you'd make lots of money from it because you'd be, be able to have this series happen, um, a series of, of films, um, which, you know, Hollywood loves and I think the world would love this, this, where does it end up? Where do you go from here? We've seen it with It. Now there's It Chapter 2 coming out quite soon. And there's this, you know, the children aren't there anymore. I mean, we'll see kind of flashbacks, I guess, but um, nonetheless, they're not there. So it's, you're seeing this change. You kind of know where it ends up because it's not a new story, but still you love to see it and you want to see what happens. And I think that it doesn't, yeah. I think that's why 
these scarecrow books by Matthew Riley could be done in this way and I think should be done in this way and I think should in general just be made into film because it doesn't matter about the fact that it's a book. I think people always go, it's almost the Game of Thrones effect where it's like, well, it's a book, so we kind of know what's happening. It's not new for us. Yeah, but, and it's the same with Harry Potter, like the books were there, the films came after. It doesn't really matter if the ending is technically out there and that's why I don't think it matters that, you know, where... Scarecrow is in relation to how he is mentally and as a person, um, you know, in the fourth book in the series being played first, doesn't matter so much that you know where he ends up because it's about how he gets there. I think it also tackles the yep. issue of kind of in this day and age of spoilers and stuff like that. Because again, we know where he ends up. There can never be the question of, oh my God, does he die at the end of this one? Well, no, he didn't die. He's alive. We've just seen him in the the first film kind of thing or the, the book. So yeah, I th just think it'd be an interesting way of doing it. And that's why I'd love to do it. But also in general, I'd love to see it happen. I think that it, uh, even if not in that order, I think it, even if released in the actual published order, I think it'd be a fantastic mm. series. And I think it would, it would get a lot of people on side. There's a lot of people out there that already love it. Mm. So it's... It's got a built-in fan base, and it has the potential to be awesome, really. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you kind of think maybe you'd be terrified of them doing it because it could not live up to it, or that it might not live up to it? Um, yes and no. I, I mean, uh, there's always that fear. It's the same with... I'm again, I keep referring to it because Harry Potter is kind of the thing that I grew up with, which was that the thing mm. that I first acknowledged as a, a book that's being turned into a film kind of thing. Um, if you look at the size of a book like um, Ice Station, for example, Matthew Riley is so detailed with his description and there is so much to describe in there that if you cut away the description and turn that into a set or a scene, I think that despite the fact that there is a lot to the story, you could easily play out the whole thing within the normal running time of a film. I don't think that you'd have to cut things. Um, he, again, he, he's done such a good job of with the mindset of it being a film because it's what he wanted to do in the first place that he's almost hmm. written it out as a film just bulking it up with the description. So I think that it, all the hard work, all the heavy lift, lifting has already been done for any kind of film creator. Um, there would always be the fear that someone would have not seen that or acknowledged that, the fact that that was the point all along is that it is so much of a film and do it wrong. There's always that fear. But no, I'm fairly confident that, that it would be done right and that is to the letter of the book okay yeah and, and again it, yeah. it's because um in the same sort of way that george R. R. martin was a um he was a writer he was a screenwriter basically um or he is a screenwriter mm. but he wrote this fantastic thing of game of thrones and then was involved yeah. with the writing of the tv show um we do know the last season was <clears throat> what it was um again we'll do a review in the future of game of thrones the tv show but you can see that there's you can see the 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 um the way it's been written or the way it, it kind of goes is intended 
um, to be played in a certain way and you can't really branch out too far from it. It's a bit hard to, to ruin it. So that's why I've got confidence in, in that it'd be done right. Okay. Mm. Well, all right. You drew. I just spoke for a long time there, but I'd love to hear your... You did, you did, but it's fascinating. I love hearing you talk about um, Matthew Riley and his work, and it, and it always gets me ignited for wanting to read it, and then I obviously promptly forget about it shortly after. Of course, they're perfectly fine. But, Again, but in the moment, it gets me keen. It gets me <laughs> wanting to read his work. I, I remember it always sitting on the shelf at the library mm. at, at school and always thinking, man, I need to get around to that one. Mm-hmm. I just, for whatever reason, I never did, but... It's still on the list to this day. Good. Yeah, yeah. I always remember Ice Station was so popular. Well, it it was. It was such an amazing thing for him as well. Um, And yeah, uh, yeah, but but look, it it will always be there. And until someone turns it into into a film, the only way of seeing it is as a a book. It's certainly one of those things that I don't think would work as a TV show, though. Um, You know, it's not the same sort of thing to turn it into a TV show. I mean, I can see how they would attempt to do it but again it's very film formatted again matthew riley's desire to be a director um yep certainly played it out in that way it's definitely an action movie um mm. in a book and he does that very intentionally um yeah yeah so i i, I yeah i don't know if it would work as a film but definitely interesting nonetheless no i'll definitely be getting around to it eventually mm. Um, for me, it's always been the Alex Ryder series that I just, I, I used to devour them as a kid. I read and read and reread and reread them over and over and over again. And the, the funny catch with them is that the first book did actually get adapted to a film. Mm. The first book, Stormbreaker, was made. And that was the launching pad for Alex Pettifer who went on to do a number of different shows and films right. and is still going strong in Hollywood. But it, for those of you that have never read the Alex Ryder series, Myself it's about included. a 14-year-old MI6 agent uh, who is reluctantly recruited after his uncle dies and he finds out that his uncle was actually a spy himself and had been secretly training him all these years without him even knowing. Right. In some ways, it's like Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> Agent Cody Banks is like Alex Ryder. Right, yeah. Yeah, of, co- of course, yeah. that's what I meant. But um... it, it, it predates it, just. But yeah, I, I remember when Cody Banks came out, and all I thought was, man, this is just Alex Ryder that's all this is what a good thing for kind it's of just... a young audience in some ways or, or any sort of audience but nonetheless a young audience because it means that you almost get you start to imagine that in your, your own life imagine this mm. being you you do and, and i think that that was something that anthony horowitz tapped into in in this particular series the idea that it could just be you that you never really know and as a 14 year old you're starting to get suspicious of the world so it's a perfect age for that sort of reveal to crop up and then for it to go from there. Um, the film, uh, I like the film, mm-hmm. but I acknowledge that it's an awful film. Fair. Fair. You think it should be redone and continued as a series? I, I do. I, I, part of the reason I like it, 
I think is that I, I was actually very fortunate to meet the author. He came out here in 2006. He was doing a bit of a book, book tour to promote, uh, not an Alex Ryder book, but his other series, the power of five, which is a supernatural thriller series. And he was also promoting the Stormbreaker film at the same time. And, um, we happened to meet him at a book signing and he's a very sweet man. And we were, um, we were the first people in, in there to meet him. And he invited us to a preview screening of the film that night, which was incredible. So yeah, we went to George street that night and saw the movie and, and while it's not great by any means, it, it's still entertaining and interesting and it has an incredible cast. Who's the film had... Pardon? Who is in it? Uh, Bill Nye, Ewan McGregor, Mickey Rourke, Robbie Coltrane, Missy Pyle, Alicia Silverstone, um, Stephen it? Fry. That's a fantastic cast. Oh, and... Um, Oh, uh, uh, Jimmy Carr. Really? Fairly certain that's him in it. I'll know in a minute. Fantastic. Getting the old IMDb out. <laughs> it is a stellar cast. What a shame that the film didn't kind of take advantage of the fantastic. Um... Oh, and Andy Circus as well. Wow, that's a great cast. Here we go. Um... Alex Pettifer, Mickey Rourke, Sophie Okonedo, Sarah Bolger, Robbie Coltrane, Stephen Fry, Coltrane. Damian Lewis. Yeah, Damian Lewis, Ewan McGregor, Bill Nye, Missy Pyle, Andy Circus, Alicia Silverstone, Ashley Walters, Jimmy Carr. It was Jimmy are. Carr. What, what a shame, though, that, that it kind of didn't grasp the imagination or, or kind of run with what, you, what you'd hoped, especially if it was such a, you know... I think, I think it would... It was a very tricky thing, and and it I get sad a bit about it as well because um, Anthony Horowitz wrote the screenplay for it as well. He adapted his own novel, but I think they were limited in what they could and couldn't do as a relatively independent British film. He'd had offers for years about adapting it, but everyone wanted to change it in ways that would not be appropriate for it. So there there was a big push to maybe make him American instead mm-hmm. of British. I didn't think that would work. Just I think if it would have detracted from yeah, it. Yeah, with James Bond being able to exist, I don't think it's an issue if he's British or American. I think that's a mistake to kind of exactly. make them do that sort of uh, change or, or, or switch him around like that. Um, it's almost the perfect sort of time for that kind of thing to, to, to come back around or have another crack because of the fact that there's this whole... Um, well, hmm. apparently they're... Apparently, they're readapting it as a television series. Do you think it'll work as a television series? I don't, but I will be game to see them try. The the um the They've... the theory is that unless it's something like Netflix based or something like HBO based, is the quality going to be there? Is it going to be kind of cheap? I don't know. It's yeah, I I agree. That's the biggest concern with it. But I don't know. I I disagree with this particular one going to the TV series route because I don't think the books lend themselves to TV. I think they lend themselves to film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just that's the way it's always felt to me that each book has felt like a movie. It's funny. It, it almost... Um, 
in some ways has the the Batman sort of sounding kind of build up of not not in the same way, but but also like you know the uncle his uncle goes, but it turns out he's kind of yeah. been trained to this kind of world. Not that Batman was, but you know there's there's a good origin story there, so therefore it would be there is and that. and it's look the the only way I could see it working as a television series is the fact that pretty well all the books take place within one year. Right. So all of it takes place while he's 14. Right. So then, yeah, okay. But I, <sighs> That's again, tough, I don't though. know. It, it, Sony, mm. Sony are the ones making it. It's Sony Pictures Television doing it. And I, I don't know. I, I will wait and see. I, t- television's difficult because of the timing. Like, what do you set it over? Do you set one season over a month? Do you set a season over a year? Do you, like, how, you'd have to change the the timing of it all, because you can't suddenly have a split in season and it's only been a day. But this is, so this is where my concern sits in, because each book is its own story, but mm. all the books, and we're talking, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine books, I think, mm. all take place within one year. Mm. And challenge. and I don't see that playing out well in the television format, whereas something like Harry Potter, yeah. if it were to have been adapted one book per season... That would have been fine, because I that, could... that would have worked because you'd have it over a year. Each book yeah. over a year. Yeah, each book year. is a year, which yeah. makes perfect sense. You could do it that way. And especially in the day and age where we have streaming services producing television shows, mm. you, you could get away with each episode having a different length or each season being shorter or longer to accommodate the larger or the smaller book. Yeah, I- exactly. Um, I wonder if it, Would it be interesting to see them redo Harry Potter as... Again, I say redo. I don't mean do something like um, Harry, Ron, Hermione as auras. I don't mean a spin-off. I mean the Harry Potter books. Do you see that that it would be a good idea to... And when I say good idea, I mean purely from the basis of telling the story again, not from the basis of changing what we thought was Harry Potter or kind of Mm. bring it up for a modern audience. Do you think it would be interesting to do them again as a television series? I am a firm believer in it. Mm-hmm. I I have supported that concept for a very, very long time. I think that they should do it because I think it's something that we deserve to see mm-hmm. for it to be a fully realized thing. I, and this doesn't take away from the films at all. I love the films. I absolutely adore them. I have two different box sets of them, mm-hmm. which is just ex- excessive, I, I am aware. But... But I digress. Um, I believe, as someone that's read the books countless times, that there is still so much more that could be shown. Yeah, especially with J.K. Rowling coming out every other week, spilling some new, completely irrelevant detail of the series that you know they could weave into there somehow. But um, even even adding in well, Jeeves <laughs> or Peeves, so a Jeeves Peeves. Oh Peeves. my god, I said Jeeves. I would love to see Peeves. Imagine if Peeves well, was Peeves in it. Peeves was How? meant to be in the film. Why wasn't? Well, he was. I don't. I don't understand why they didn't use him because they actually cast Rick Mail to play Peeves, and oh my he god, shoot footage that would have been fantastic shot, and perfect. I know, I know, uh, and he shot scenes. 
Why did they not do it? What a joke. I don't know. I don't understand why they cut Peeves. Peeves would have been incredible. Or to have had more of Nearly Headless Nick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And can you imagine in the later oh. films, again, I've been seeing all over Facebook this kind of um, uh, fan fiction of, imagine they're at the Battle of Hogwarts, Peeves there just giving Voldemort yeah. the shits the whole time just because he can't be killed and just mucking around with Voldemort and kind of getting on his nerves the whole time and just stressing him out further from what he already, already was. Yeah. Uh, or to see the four Hogwarts ghosts actually charging out. Yeah, like you could do so much more detail in it all, and you could see some. You could see the Weasleys' home so much more. You could see um, Hermione's life, despite mm. the fact it's not really touched on in the book anyway. But you could kind of see that side of her. You could see so much more. You get a better characters. idea. Yeah. Um, or, or we could we could actually see the things that were skipped, the, the crucial things, and even the not crucial things. Like Ferenz teaching divination. Mm-hmm. Always wanted that to be in the films and they never did it. That would have been fantastic. Uh, or there's a scene in Half-Blood Prince mm-hmm. where nearly headless Nick has has a full-on DNM with Harry. I think it's Half-Blood Prince. What a shame to miss all that. It's either that stuff. or Order of the Phoenix. It's either five or six, mm. but but... Nick and Harry have this full-on conversation that's really deep and intricate, and it would have been a shining moment if they'd kept that in, but they chose to do away with the ghosts after the second film, unfortunately. Which is such a shame. Such a total shame. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. But there is this this incredible potential, and there are... I know that there are still books that haven't been adapted. Mm -hmm. Um... I'm eagerly awaiting Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of Artemis Fowl, which is coming soon. Yeah, it is certainly coming soon. Um, I'm looking at it probably with um, rose-coloured glasses, I guess, but this idea of um, from when I was at high school, I found it was at the time well-written. I can now see that it wasn't. But um, not jumping on the Twilight kind of bandwagon, but uh, the idea of... I remember there was a, a fantastic film, Darren Shan um, novels. Uh, he was a young vampire. Uh, it, it was it was it was interesting because it was the struggles of becoming a vampire and having to leave your life behind and go into this new world of surviving in such a different way. And I think that that's it's an interesting concept again, despite the fact that it wasn't particularly well written. And actually, some of the later stories were a bit bit shit, to be honest. Um, mm. I think it'd be an interesting kind of thing. And again, it's, it's, I think it'd be fantastic to see that kind of thing played out. Um, I know that a lot of people as well are a fan of the Del Toro quest, which as we were talking about it off air, you, uh, you, you think yes. it, you think it was turned into a not very well yeah. received anime. I, th- I think I tend, I think I can remember that too. Let me have a look. Well, cause it never really went anywhere and it just didn't capture the same audience that the books did. But I think that would be fantastic. I don't know how... I never read it myself, but I know that it'd be Here such we are. an Del- interesting thing. It was an animated series. Yeah, it was an anime. Or it looks like an anime, anyway. Del Toro Quest, 2007 to 2010. 65 episodes. Well, they really pumped them out. Um. Wow. Okay. I, I don't know. I loved Del Toro Quest as a kid. I devoured the books. Emily Rodder wrote that incredible series and 
you know, growing up in the Blue Mountains, she's a bit of a legend up there. Mm. Sure. Like, like she's she's amazing, and her daughter was one of my teachers at school. That's fantastic. I like, I like that. Jesus, the yeah. Blue Mountains has a little tight knit community. Small community. Mm. <laughs> um, would it be suited best for or towards, um television series or you know stranger things style television series or game of thrones style television series or film series yeah not film yeah series del toro quest is episodic by nature as books Mm -hmm. they don't they have this epic quality to them but they they would suit somewhere between stranger things and game of thrones Mm -hmm. that's kind of where they lie i I actually, I saw the trailer for um, Henry Cavill's new series, The Witcher, mm-hmm. and yep. that kind of gave me that Del Toro Quest sort of vibe. And I, I thought, okay, like that, that just proves that this is the format for those sorts of stories. Right, right, okay. So I, I would, I would say TV series for Del Toro Quest. I would just, I don't know. I find it odd that they did it as an anime. And that no one really got to watch it here. Cheaper production values, I think, doing it as an anime rather than having yeah. cast people and set fine and all that sort of stuff. We did think about the fact that, you know, some things have been adapted and they've been adapted the wrong way. Um, a really good example of that, I think, is Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Something that was under debate for a very, very long time for people where... A lot of people wanted to see the Gunslinger series adapted to something. Yeah. And they went ahead and did a film with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey as the Gunslinger and the Man in Black, respectively. But it didn't stick the landing, unfortunately. And they talked about the idea of it being both, that it could be a movie and then weave into a series that weaves back into another movie and back and forth. And the movie came out and it just fell flat. I kind of get it and I kind of don't because I saw the movie and I actually really enjoyed mm. it. But I, I like a lot of movies. I like terrible movies. <laughs> we we all know this. But critiquing it from a technical perspective, I didn't quite understand why people did not connect with it the way they should have. Mm. So it was I just... thought it maybe the books are that good. That's what I hear anyway. Yeah, the the books are are exceptional and that the film, while it's all right, just doesn't do it any justice. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a shame that that's the case. Um, It is, but I've also read that they are pushing ahead with it. Okay, well, that's good. They won't push ahead with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, but they will push ahead and move it to television. So... At least it's it should be its, interesting yeah. to see where they go. At least it's getting it yeah. another chance. Um, yeah. Oh, I was trying to think of one. I, I had one just then that I thought that was... Um, of course, there's the one that Sarah and I spoke about, especially during the review as well. We found that Brightburn, which is a film, not a book by any means. Yes. It's a film, but it almost felt like it should have been a series. And you mentioned off air, off air that it almost had a Smallville kind of... Um, it does. Feel to it. It, and it, it feels like Smallville. It, it does again because it's that kind of idea of Superman, but he's growing up. It's it's life before that, and kind of yeah, coming to terms with what, and, what, what he has. And it could have been that. It could have been a darker the, Smallville. Yeah, the beginnings of teenage angst that 
is not necessarily teenage angst. It's that, but it's also the fact that you're coming into powers that are going to be life-changing. Mm. And also the fact that it was called Brightburn. It was called... It was named after the town, like Smallville is named after the town. Like, it, yep. it, it is a shame that it... It was... Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame... It's a shame that it wasn't a series. Like, it could have been... It, it is the perfect day and age for something like that to be a series. Like, imagine that as a Netflix series. What a strong show that could have been. It could have been, again, who cares if it's similar to Smallville? It, Yeah, well, this is similar to Superman, but what if he's bad? It's the what if. We got the what if, but they did it as a yeah. film. I think they could have done so much with it. Um, and him slowly uncovering his his powers and stuff like that. Um, there was a lot they could have done with it, but they, uh, yeah, they skipped a lot through. But, um, yeah. I think that would have been perfect. I wouldn't mind seeing it go the other way, actually. I'd like to see Brightburn move, maybe not to a book, but maybe to a comic series. Yeah, it certainly could, though. Um, I would I would read that. That that would be really cool. Yeah, a graphic and, novel and or a comic are, would have been... That'd be fantastic. There are things that have made the jump. Buffy made the jump. When Buffy ended at season seven, they continued the seasons in comic book form. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a a good medium in the fact that it's you get such it's still you get the vibrant pictures that you need from from what you see yeah. but also you get the story that you need to go with it as well um it's interesting actually speaking of a graphic novel um of course there's the mm. the walking dead which was a yes it was a graphic novel then it became a tv series and now i've seen the trailer for the film that's coming out for it um because of course, in the the television series, it features and the, both the comic book as well, or the, or the graphic yeah. novel as well, centers centers around the main character of Rick Grimes. Um, well, uh, Andrew Lincoln, who plays Rick Grimes, has now left the TV show um, or left the TV series. So has the person who plays his son Carl in the TV show. Um, they basically just kill off Carl. I, I haven't watched this season of, of um, The Walking Dead, so I'm not really spoiling it for anyone else because I haven't, I haven't watched it myself. Um, but I know that he left the show because that was news. Um, I don't believe they've... Well, in fact, I know they haven't killed him off because the, the film trailer is all about... It well, says the big tagline is Rick comes home or Rick comes back. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's actually jumped twice from two mediums. It's doing the double jump from graphic novel wow. to TV show to now film. So let's see what happens. It's a very rare feat. Yet to do all I three. Read, it's strange. I'd, I'd been keeping tabs. It is strange. I'd been keeping tabs for some time on the progress of them readapting Watchmen. Yeah, right. Because okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Watchmen is hailed as one of, if not the greatest graphic novel ever written. And it has an incredible movie. For any of you that have not seen Watchmen, make a point of sitting down and watching it. Zack Snyder is just in complete and utter bliss mm-hmm. and in absolute overdrive making something that is so true to its source material and almost frame for frame accurate fantastic the detail would have been fantastic. i've never i've never seen anything quite like it before mm. but watchman as a movie was not so successful but what is now happening is 
they're making HBO's making a television series that seems to serve as a continuation of the graphic novel. Well, that's cool then. See, again, when you get a big player like HBO and you kind of know you're going to get quality, yeah, thought, detail, you know. But I, I saw the first trailer. It came out of Comic Con the other day, mm-hmm. and it looks riveting. Well, excellent. Well, I do know that um, as well. There's there's Amazon Prime. Um, they do again. It's funny. There's there's um, there was a book series on based on Tom Clancy's thing, talking about something that's making the the double jump. Um, Tom Clancy yeah. based things. Then of course. Tom Clancy became very, very, very big in games and still exists as games. Basically, things are just using the Tom Clancy name now rather than, I think, his original concepts. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, it exists as games now. But, of course, there is the Amazon Prime television show based around Tom Clancy, which has um, John Krasinski in, from, from The Office in it. So, Oh, as Jack Ryan. Yeah, so there's the double, double jump again of, of just a, a concept or a idea, yeah. I guess, which is interesting. But, um, oh, you're you're gonna you're gonna watch Watchmen. I think I need to because I have. I clean. I yeah, but I no. I mean, you're gonna watch the HBO series. Well, I, I clean well. forgot who's created the series. Who? Damon Lindelof. Yep, I'll be watching. Uh, <laughs> I'll be watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's just yep. a given now. <laughs> yep, I'm in. <laughs> Damn it. Gonna have to watch it now. <laughs> no, That's all right. Dear. It hasn't gone to air yet. <laughs> no, but still, I'm gonna have to watch it now. Great. You, you are. But he, oh, he's awesome. He does a podcast talking about Twin Peaks. Yeah, of course, because he references a lot of um, the fact that because um, you know Twin Peaks was one of his key inspirations for, for Lost. Lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to be in on it now. Um. Well, Drew, 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 Drew. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Comes yes. to that point where we have to award someone a very special award. Um, tough one because mm. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, but of course, we are talking about our Sick Kent of the Week, the 99th Sick Kent of the Week. Um, yeah, basically, if you'd like to win the award or be in the running to win Sick Kent of the Week, make sure you're on the show. Yep. That's one way to be a shoe in. Um, kind of negates uh, any topics that we talk about on the show if you're on the show uh, also makes our life a lot easier because yep. we have someone to easily give it to if you've not been on before of course um, so much easier yeah so much easier <laughs> uh, if you would like to be on the show make sure you reach out to us on Facebook Instagram um, Carrier Pigeon uh, in person text message email whatever five send star a raven re- yeah send a raven five star review on, on iTunes or messaging us on SoundCloud as well but I digress. But as for this week's, as for this week's winner, yes. or should I say winners, because I think we've got to give a shared award this week. Okay. Sure. So, to yours and my favorite authors, I believe Matthew Riley and Anthony Horowitz take the award. I think that is a very good idea. Congratulations, guys! You are this week's winners of Sick Kent of the week. We'll split the award down the middle and give you both half. Of course, if you'd like to receive it in person it would be very nice and uh, we'd both appreciate that yes of course Indeed. um of course of course of course of course but anyway that also gets us through to the end of 99 99 the end wow yes next week then it means is one 
zero zero one hundred. Wow! Wow! This is insane. Crazy. Again, we didn't think we'd get here, but but uh, yeah, here we are. No, again, I didn't. I I know we exam. didn't think we'd oh, get past sorry. nine. No, that's okay. Sorry, Breaking sorry. news, there, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't hear, what? what? Sarah passed her exam, which means that she's now completed <gasps> her year of university. <sighs> wow, what a double! Congratulations, yeah. Sarah Moon. Says congratulations. Yes, fantastic. Woo! We're all nervous about it. Uh, again, on this journey that Sarah and I have been on. Um, one of the stops, of course, that we made was to the UK for a couple of weeks. And one of the reasons why we returned there was that she could do her uh, exam. And she's now done her exam and we were terrified that she wasn't. All she needed was, at the time we worked out that all she needed was 30%. And I got 60! 60%? Yes. Bad, no, that's fantastic. Again, the pass mark was 30%. <laughs> and uh, she didn't matter what she did throughout the year. She did fantastically throughout the year. Um, but this course basically hinged on the exam, which I think is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, but anyway, fail the exam, you fail the year. It, which Just is a bit. even if you got a hundred percent in all of the assignments. Which is bullshit, if you ask me. But anyway, that's the case. Uh, <gasps> she needed thirty percent. Went into it, calculated it didn't work. It all kind of went horribly wrong for her. Um, we're a bit scared about whether she'd get to the thirty percent or not. But she smashed it out of the park and got there. I can't believe it. Fantastic. I can't believe it. <laughs> so we're thrilled here. Um, just another reason why it's fantastic and we hope you all we're ending this episode in a happy way uh we are indeed yeah enjoy the rest of your week of course and tune in next week for episode 100 of kent and the steering team i we guess look forward to seeing you then mm, absolutely drew thank you very much for another week always great to hear your voice always great to do episodes with you and i can't wait to do uh next week's you episode too. yeah until oh it's gonna be awesome it is it's gonna be fantastic anyway Yes, until next time. As we... Yes. Yep. Of course. No, no, Drew, Drew, ah! Drew, 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 Drew. No, 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 no. You are right. We'll, 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 we we'll, can't. We'll, we'll cut off the, the yep. Of course. That's okay. We can stuff up this one. This is 99. It's 100 when the real thing starts. This is more fun. We drag it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How fantastic is it that... Well, not fantastic. Sad, but interesting as well. This is the last week with um, DJ Quads as our music. We've had... I it think is. all up. I think we've had ninety-nine DJ Quad intros. I think once we had it with um, uh, the Goosebumps music, but other than that, I think we've had it for ninety Again, ninety-eight. 98 yeah. Well, yeah, of course, because it's 90, wow. ninety-eight DJ Quads. DJ Quads. We don't even know if you know us or not. But we've we have been using your music. Yeah, we're so thankful for it. You've done an amazing job. Amazing music. Um, I've loved it. I've got it on my iTunes now. I love some of your songs anyway. Um, been it's incredible. So, yeah, I've been so happy to have you making our music. I've been complimented on the music choice that we have as well by people because it is fantastic. Um, yeah, great so mixing. Thank you from from both of us. Thank you. Yeah, thank so you so much. So much. Anyway, until next week for episode 100, Drew, Phil, yep. Yeah.